this is a conversation that is so critically important and I'm we're welcoming back Joan Eisenstadt. Uh, she's the owner of Eisenstadt and Associates. She is uh, has been a great support in the world of contracts. Um, she has been in the industry forever and has seen been there, done that, seen it. She's been an expert witness on court cases with regard to contracts. Um, and so I'm just thrilled, Joan, to have you back with us. And we wanted to have a quick conversation specifically uh, about um, some issues that have come up recently uh, with regards to contracts and cancellation. And um, so I'm just going to say welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. And um, just and, to really and, appreciate the time. And let's both, I'm going to do for both of us our disclaimer that yes. neither of us, neither of us is an attorney. Um, what we're going to talk about um, it are professional issues, things that we're aware of, and that we um, both recommend that anyone working on a contract with another party uh, get an attorney involved. My preference is always for hotel and, um, and any uh, event contracts to work with an industry, hospitality industry attorney. So uh, what we are going to say is from experience and opinion, yep. um, but it is not legal advice. Yes, thank you very, very much. So I, I echo and share uh, your disclaimer. Um, before we get into the specific issue of why we're here, um, you and I are recording this conversation on February 15th of 2022. And um, both of us kind of follow the trends in the hospitality industry. And so um, what are you seeing right now uh, in the hotel industry and in the hotel world these days as we kind of are starting to talk about rolling in a new direction with regard to COVID? It's complicated. There is not a lot of consistency right now um, about who's doing what and why. And there is with COVID, there is frustration by most people, many people, about wearing masks. There is disagreement about whether or not people should be vaccinated. Um, and and um, because I follow the World Health Organization and others about the state of COVID, we're going into another lull. And I think that what happens in these lulls is a false sense of security. I think what people have to remember is we are literally only two years into acknowledgement of this virus and mm -hmm. that, that it's unprecedented in terms of the progress that's been made. How that impacts the industry is tremendous because it, it has already impacted from the start and what we do going forward in terms of how we operate and the impact on the operations of hotels, of other venues, of meetings, um, of, of reunions, anything that we do is impacted by what has happened. Um, I, I have seen in my uh, following of the industry, um, a couple of major issues. The first one is far, far and away staffing absolutely um, challenging issue. Um, and then of course, training along with that. Um, and then the follow-up issue to that is, you know, the open closed policy 
um, and then the, the layers of COVID policy on the property, community, city, county, and state levels that that um, that hotel resides in. I'm not sure if you've seen that as well on your end. I have I've seen that and I want to add to it. And I think that what what has been interesting, one of there are a number of things that I follow. Um, I've also followed um, Cornell University's hotel school and Cornell University does. Have, they've been doing a, a tremendous number of free um, webcasts. It's eCornell with no space.com or I think it's .com or it's edu. Um, and, and they're talking about a lot of issues that are going to continue um, as a result of all this. So what we're seeing when you talk about staffing, um, we can't talk about staffing in a vacuum. Staffing impacts service. Right. Staffing impacts what will happen to a reunion. Um, we, I think that what we have to do, and in fact, this is interesting, um, for anybody who listens to this, who does subscribe either virtually or, or digitally or in print to Business Week magazine. The, mm -hmm. the February 14th issue um, I read last night and it is, it, there's an article in it um, about um, scenario planning. The title of it is Goodbye Plan, Hello Scenarios. And what it says is don't, don't plan for what is today look at all the possibilities for what will be and to look at that. And so I think as we talked about this, Sharon, I think that people are basically going, you know, phew, we don't have to deal with COVID anymore. It's, it's, it's a lull, people have lifted the mask thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so the communities in which we have events are still affected. Their health, I just read another article about the impact on cities that COVID has had. I, I live in DC. I look around me at the office buildings that are vacant, the, uh -huh. the restaurants that have closed, um, the transportation that is much slower than it had been before. So right. what we do is we look at what are all the scenarios that impact that. And when we move into contracts, we look at what are we asking before we book something and then what's What's the impact on a contract? Uh huh. So let's get into the issue of why we are here um, and talking about contracting. There was a situation, um, and this this kind of starts with COVID and then rolls into contracts, where a reunion planner um, had the opportunity to do a site inspection with a property. Um, in the last five months, four months, and they went to contract, signed, they sent a deposit. There was no indication that anything was not going to move forward. And um, they later found out that the hotel closed. Um, they, uh, I'll share the end of the story because it's, you know, everything worked out fine, but basically in a sense, the hotel canceled on this reunion. There was no uh, conversation about, you know, with them 
um, about this, the potential for this to happen. And so you and I started talking about the importance of contract language to balance and protect both parties. And this is a perfect example of the imbalance with regard to cancellation. Let me, so let me, let me back up a second and then go forward with this. Um, one of the things, and I'm seeing this with reunion contracts, I'm seeing it with association contracts with hotels, is that too often they do not name the parties to the contract, as in who is the hotel owner, because you're really contracting with the owner doing business as the name of the hotel. That's number one. Number two, um, to me, doing due diligence when you're planning an event is, is either following the local news, wherever the property may be, following the name of the owner, following the brand, the management company, so that, that there may be hints of things. And an example of that is that I, I read a number of newspapers digitally and in print. Um, yeah. I saw that the Sheraton Boston um, has just been purchased by a company and I did more research into who bought them, right? It's not just they were bought, oh, well, fine, it'll continue. It's, it's this is a company that buys distressed properties. So then I started asking more questions. So what, that, what this says to a reunion is understand the parties to the contract because what you wanna do is follow what's going on with them understand the health of what happens. Um, when you have a contract, and this has been my frustration, and you know this, I would say for all million years I've been in the industry, that most of the proposals that come from hotels do not name the owner. Most RFPs, um, reunion planners, meeting planners, don't ask who the owners are. Yeah. The, the, the proposal comes back as, as a contract and it has a one-sided cancellation clause. What happens if the group cancels? There mm -hmm. should be not a mutual, but a dual clause. Damages to the group, damages to the property will be very different if either party cancels or right. if there's a, um, either force majeure or impossibility that require it to cancel. In people, you know, it's funny because people that I have talked to in, in my local community, veterans that I've talked to since this came up, you know, they're they're all saying, well, Sharon, why would the hotel cancel on us? I mean, we've, I mean, we're, we're good business. And, and I, I said, time out, this all ties back to the pandemic. The hospitality industry lost uh, a year and a half, if almost two years, of potential revenue. And so if you are contracted with them at a rate of $89 and they have an opportunity to book a piece of business at $250, they're going to give you a hug as they thank as they say thank you. It was nice to meet you and send you on your way. Because they're trying wait, to make wait, up that wait, revenue. Wait, 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 let's soften that a little bit. That's not an all okay. case. I think that there are, and I think that what happens is that our industry and, and the hotel side gets a bad reputation of saying, I can get better business, therefore, bye-bye, right? Now, yeah. the issue is that, and what I've experienced with others is that 
it's become complicated. This goes back to the owners. The owners mm -hmm. are calling the shots. The owners have lost huge amounts of money. Right. And in order to operate, they have to get a greater return on the groups that are coming in. So mm -hmm. yes, they in fact may, depending on your contract, say bye-bye. Um, if your contract has been well written, you'll, none of us will ever cover every possibility. Right. To have at least a, a, um, a dual cancellation clause, here's what happens if the hotel, for a number of reasons, decides to say to you, we're not going to hold your event. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's no protection, your choice is to go either to arbitration or litigation, depending on whether or not your contract addresses that. And, and that's even more expensive. It's much smarter to cover the scenarios, the what ifs right. up front, have those conversations. Look at when you, know, when you mentioned communities. So, and the reason I follow um, the communities where clients have contracts for meetings, some of them 10 years out, um, is that I wanna see what's going on. What are, what are the things impacting? it's a new convention center being built. Are there, I think New York City is getting some incredible number of new smaller boutique hotels. What will that impact be? What does the issue of staffing do? Mm -hmm. If we can't, if we don't have enough staff, if the supplies aren't there, we may close or we may close for a period of time. The other, the other thing that goes to this is Hotels, um, and this is E. Cornell has been very helpful in learning more about it. Hotels are thriving right now in, in many cases on leisure business. Leisure mm -hmm. businesses pay more. They don't use meeting space. They are less space intensive. And so if a hotel has a choice of getting a higher rated um, guest room rate from a yeah. leisure guest, with the with no other output and hotels have cut back on on housekeeping so there's even less there's even less expenditure so they're weighing all of these pieces as they evaluate who they want in the right. case of hotel closures and i think this is important i then i don't have currently the number of hotels that have closed permanently um, are in the process of closing, closed for a period of time. Um, yeah. These are all the things that, that anybody planning an event has to pay attention to. And we can't assume when everybody talks about going back to normal, which they believe was 2019, it, we're not going back. Nothing is the same. I, I want to kind of clarify my point and just kind of back up just a bit when i was talking about pricing my point was not every hotel is going to do this my point of of bringing up the the pricing is we are in a new situation and there's a lot more scrutiny placed on existing pieces of business and potential pieces of business that we did not have before hotel sales people fight to keep what's contracted because it is their name and reputation as a part of it and so i don't want to 
freak reunion planners out that this is happening across the country at every single agreement. It's it's isn't, but this is just an example of the lens from which we we have to consider potential scenarios. So yes, and on this, the salesperson with whom a contract might have been signed, or with mm -hmm. whom perhaps did business prior to COVID may not be there anymore. Right. The number of salespeople who lost jobs um, it, and the relationships that many of us formed with people don't exist anymore because um, those people are not there. Mm -hmm. If there's a new owner or a new management company, you're, the, a reunion is just another piece of business on the books that right. may or may not fit the algorithms of what they need to make over a period of time. And the evaluation of that now, the scrutiny is far greater by owners than it was even before when yeah. business was booming. So we've, we've kind of set the stage that hotel cancellation is, is a definitely a bigger issue now than it was uh, pre-pandemic. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, and get into the weeds a little bit about uh, the dual cancellation clause. We talked about how it it provides direction in the event one of the parties cancels and, and how what will happen for the other party. One of the things that hotel contracts do is that they'll say, for example, if you if the group cancels um, X number of days to X number of days before the event, you know, and then they give a scale and then there will be some percentage of something that will be paid. So even though I'm not giving specific language, it should be it that should be specific. It should have dates. For instance, if I let's say that for a reunion, um, I as the reunion planner plan to and, and a committee plan to arrive two days ahead because we have things to set up, we want to make sure everything is arranged, whatever we have to do. That is not the start of the reunion. So if it says in the contract that it's from um, X days from the start of, do they mean from the start of the room block? or the start of the actual event. And then percentages, it, it should always give specific dollars, not percentages, right. because we don't know, we don't know what they're basing it on. So if is it based on, and of course there's always a discussion of revenue or profit. Um, we of course all want it to be on profit, not revenue. Um, it's not as easy to get it, but at least if we have a dollar amount, that we know that for the group it's a whole different thing right um, it, it, it if let's say in the case that you mentioned the hotel closes or the hotel says we booked another group and you can only have um you can have space but it's smaller space and that doesn't really suit what you're doing so what you want to do is that goes back to scenario planning what you want to do is focus on if our meeting cancels by the hotel if there is um if they book something else that is not compatible with our group 
if they book something that takes away the space that we did our site inspection and said this is the perfect space you want uh -huh. to cover that and so that that the hotel will be responsible to make the group whole in a way that you negotiate um yeah. and for every group it's going to be different every reunion has different specificity what are what are things i mean can can a reunion planner request to have in the dual cancellation that the the um, contracted hotel will find another property for them to be at can the reunion planner ask that if it's if the the contracted hotel cancels within three days that they the hotel you know reimburse for people's travel costs you know what you know, all of those things are kind of the, the questions that reunion planners will ask and and you know the answer is it depends um and you know the answer is also um you can ask for anything uh -huh. you, literally you can ask for anything and what you want to do is have a discussion about the why of it i'm not a, in other words i'm not asking you hotel to reimburse these costs for us just because i want to punish you it's because these are real for us so let's say that i have to find another property whatever the period of time and let's say that other property is going to charge x dollars more in room rate or in food and beverage costs that we've negotiated in the contract or that we have to move even to a different city or state where the taxes may be higher or the service may not be the same whatever it might be this is where you this is where in the rfp process i think that that i think people forget that that's that begins to set the stage for what's going to be in the contract you right. ask a lot of questions you get answers, you ask them to clarify more, and then you, you, I, I, I know that I made fun of for my very lengthy contracts. I know that um, by some hotel people. I, I am, I believe that if you don't cover it, if it's just quote understood between people who like each other back to the relationships, it's not mm -hmm. there, especially if those people are gone. So right. it is, is it reasonable to ask for whatever you're asking it, it's going to depend on on timing it's going to depend on value it's going to depend on the degree of disruption so it's one thing if a hotel closes and how three days out a month out six months out after you've contracted and there's nothing else available in the same city and people may have bought airline tickets or may have planned around that um yeah look at what the reality is and then negotiate what will make you the reunion whole and what will make those attending whole um yeah. it, there's no formula to say it's it's only this um it's mm -hmm. but it, it for me it's again the specificity that you put in um i think people are afraid of being specific um especially and i don't know why i think that and it may be that that there are hotels who don't want to be um i would that's one area that i would push 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that with the dual cancellation policy and with any with any terms in a contract for reunion planners to first um actually two things to to first understand what they're reading and if they don't understand there's there's a military reunion network uh you joan tons of resources out there to help them to understand it attorneys out there to help them understand it but second sit down and really think about what is fair and realistic um for, when you were, you know, for the parties and i think the that parties. i think that that's what we have to do um it's very it's a painful time for hotels absolutely mm -hmm. painful and as they're trying to step up their owners are looking at bottom line their management companies are looking at bottom line they're mm -hmm. trying to balance what their revenue will be versus what their expenditures will be I think that having that conversation, honestly, reasonably, is the best way to go. I think the yeah. other thing, Sharon, is that I think people are intimidated by contracts. Luckily, I think that there are not a lot of hotel contracts now that use, quote, legalese. They're really uh -huh. more in plain English. And so when people say, well, what, what should we say in this? You know, I, they've agreed to whatever what should we say and my always i always say just write it out as you want it to be you negotiate the language they will probably vet it with their attorney you'll get to the point that you have language that makes sense it's when it it's the questioning of what language means i don't like anything ambiguous so i think that if somebody reads something and they aren't sure what it is just ask it, you know yeah. use all these resources and ask your hotel salesperson ask them explain this to me tell me what yeah. this means and then there's of course you know the improvisation exercise tell me more um, or right. yes and so that you begin to bring all of that back in and so you then clarify in writing what you've agreed to uh -huh. I think that the hospitality industry, first of all, I have never seen a time where the Smurf market is king and um, ruling uh, the hospitality industry markets and military reunions are a part of that. I think that hotels across the country, you know, as we're talking about, you know, planners keep things in mind. Uh, I, I would add that uh, hotel uh, salespeople and representatives need to keep in mind that military reunions, their goal is to get together. And they're very gracious. They're very flexible. They um, are very happy to, to kind of bend with the situation. Um, as long as they know what to expect. Um, and if there is a representative from a hotel that is completely genuine and transparent and says to them, we are able to help you, here's where we're having a couple issues, but we're gonna do our best to, to you know, navigate through this together, that is, that is a fantastic uh, scenario. Well, and I think the other way that the Military Reunion Network has helped, this sounds like a commercial, <laughs> it, well, 
it is the truth. It's that there are a number of convention and visitors bureaus um, that are involved and they should also be there to help the situation. There, mm -hmm. everybody, everybody involved in hospitality is trying to get business back to their cities. Mm -hmm. And they're doing everything they can to do so. So we look at who are our partners, who will partner with us to help explain who we are if we aren't doing a good job of that. Um, we need to work together like we've never done before. I compare, you know, people have, have compared this to after 9-11-01. This is far more difficult. Yeah. This yeah. is more difficult than after a hurricane. We, you know, we know what happens then. So we're dealing with so many unknowns going forward. Um, uh -huh. And we have to, and that goes back to scenario planning. And I consider that part of the RFP process, part of the negotiation process, part of the contracting process. Right. So when we, let's talk about the RFP process and kind of bring that in a little bit. And, and for, for reunion planners that are new to planning, RFP stands for request for proposal. It is that document that you're going to hand off to the hospitality industry, be it a tourism bureau or a hotel, that talks about all of the things that you're looking for. It talks about um, the footprint of your reunion and all of the specifics that you uh, require for your reunion. So Joan, in the RFP process, as we're going, as reunion planners are going through, um, would they add a couple of lines saying, um, our reunion association um, is, re, you know, requesting a dual cancellation clause? You know, what would, what would, is that, would that be the right wording? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think RFPs should be as extensive as a contract should be. I think that, that we ask very little. Um, I'm working right now with a group, not a reunion, a, a group for a meeting. And they have focused on rates, dates, and space. And you and I know that that was the very old way of doing things. Now, in their case, space really is a big issue. And it is really for a reunion because depending on the size of the property, that's an issue. I think you disclose everything. Here's who we are. Here's here's why we're getting together. Here's the Here are the demographics of our group. Here's where we've been. Here's what we need and why we need it. So whatever it is, if you there are clauses that you want in there around staffing, service, um, and, and I, I'll go back to housekeeping. Yeah. Hotels, a lot of hotels now are not servicing rooms every day. They're doing it on checkout. So what is it you expect? What do you want to make this reunion exactly what you, what will make people feel good and that they don't have to fight the elements of the hotel in yeah. order to enjoy themselves? A dual cancel, whatever, if there are clauses that they're learning through the military re reunion network, um, then they want to put in, these are clauses that are important to us. Please, in your proposal, include how you will include those in, in the contract. Yeah. One of the things that I, that I want to add to this, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, the communication, right? So um, 
and the, between the hotel and the reunion planner. So that if the hotel is, is saying, here's where we're having issues, staffing issues, housekeeping, for example, here's our housekeeping policy, you know, we will um, service during your stay on request, but we deep dive and deep clean the room after you check out and get it ready for the next person. That reunion planner um, has the responsibility to communicate that to the attendees so that everybody knows what to what to plan for. Without question. And then there that brings up the issue of policies and that hotels have policies and mm -hmm. it, whether it's early check-in, late checkout, um, whatever it might be, use of the room, um, whether or not you can bring your own food in, uh, all of the all of the food, food and beverage policies. Um, ask them with their proposal to send you their policies and review them carefully and ask how they apply to your group and then absolutely communicate that to those attending. There, nobody likes checking into a hotel and getting a surprise um, right. to find out that you expected your room to be cleaned every day and it's not going to be, that uh -huh. you're responsible um, to request additional towels if you need them. Um, and so we have to be, we have to be far better communicators than we've ever been. Um, with regard to the dual cancellation clause and um, the, the hotels canceling on um, the military reunions, what else, what other things are we missing that we need to be talking about? Um, well, I think it, it, it is a matter of looking at what will, what will the disruption cause? Uh -huh. what, and what will the timing of the disruption cause? And, and without knowing whether um, what else is going to be available in town, when you mentioned about helping them find another space, um, they may be able to do that. And, and so let me take that back to knowing who the owners are. If you right. know that there is an owner of hotels and they, in a city you're looking at, own five different hotels, all under different brands, right? They don't have the same name uh -huh. on the door. So if that's the case, then it may be that the hotel with which you're working that says, we're closing, we can't do this, whatever it might be, you can say, can we look to the owner and ask them which of their other properties we can use? So yeah. this is, I know that it's difficult because I know that the, the planners, the reunion planners are not doing this. This is not their full-time job. Um, this no. is, they signed up um, because they cared about seeing each other and they care about their service and what this all means. And, and it's still a business arrangement. So it's understanding all of those pieces and then asking what you need. Should the, the hotel cannot, um, because of all kinds of laws, they can't negotiate rates for you. I mean, what they can do is provide um, your RFP. It's mm -hmm. it would be difficult for, I don't think they can provide, even within the same owner group, and again, this would be a legal question, whether or not they can provide the contract under which they were operating. I don't, I really don't know the answer. Um, yeah. Guesses, probably not. Um, so, 
it will then be up to you, the reunion planner, to go negotiate the arrangements once space is found. Um, uh -huh. I would want the salesperson to at least give parameters, right? This is right. these are their dates. This is this is how many rooms they need. This is the space they need. Here's a range of rates. Here's um, the amount of F and B that they were going to have, whatever it might be. And I so um, it also goes back to the tough part that sales departments are very understaffed, or they're staffed with new people. And so I think reunion planners need to be aware that just as it's unfamiliar to them, it may be unfamiliar to the person they're working with. One last question. Um, you know, as a reunion planner listening to this conversation with you, um, and they've already signed a contract, um, how do they how do they go back and renegotiate a dual cancellation and say, I know that I've contracted for July of this year, but just in case, here's new language I want put into the contract. Let me add to that, um, and, and I will answer it. Um, the, the adding to that is asking for what the new policies are on things like housekeeping. What are uh -huh. the new beverage arrangements? One reunion contract I saw had added, what was it, a 25% administrative yes. fee? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So what you want to do is find out what's different, what's going to apply. Um, uh -huh. Will a hotel do an amended contract? It depends. Um, they don't have to. Um, again, the relationship issue may not may not be there because the person they worked with isn't. I think yeah. you ask. I think you say. I now have more knowledge. We've all been through two years of COVID. We've been through two years of changes. We've seen hotels we've seen hotels close. Mm -hmm. We need to relook at our contract. So any military reunions that are booking more than a year out should absolutely have a review, regardless of COVID, have a review clause that after, you know, within X months or you know, or if they're holding a yearly reunion that they want to go back at the end of one reunion and review and be and then state what they're able to um, reconsider with the hotel. Mm -hmm. Things don't stay the same. Um, no. hotel, hotels, hotels are, are renovating. Um, some put off renovation. Hotels are not renovating because the supplies aren't there. It, it, it's anybody's yeah. guess. I think with, you know, in kind of in closing, uh, in in talking about the the contracts, I think that you know our our kind of takeaways are for the hospitality industry um, to just to be upfront with our veterans and say we are struggling, but here's how we can help you. And the veterans, you know, they they respond to that. They're you know I. Um, and then also for the veterans to be um, diligent in reviewing um, the documents that are put in front of them and um, being firm with the, the requirements and the language that they want to add to the to contracts moving forward. 
I know that the reunion planners, um, the, the veterans have taken on huge responsibility in doing this work. And yeah. not only are we grateful for their service, I'm grateful for our industry, for their business. And mm -hmm. I think that what, what we may have to just sell it better. Um, and I think be, um, yeah. be better about how, how a military reunion um, planner explains everything to someone who um, I'm going to do a little ageist statement because I'm old and I can identify <laughs> that there are times when a veteran is going to be um, considerably older than the salesperson they're working with and, right. and may have a different experience, um, life experience. And I think having that conversation is helpful. Um, uh -huh. And being open to listening on both sides. That's yeah. sometimes we get something in our heads and we say, no, 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 absolutely not. It has to be my way. So it's a conversation. It's a yes and. Uh -huh. Yeah. And the, the, there is a definite mutual goal and it is to be able to figure everything out. And so the hotel can welcome the reunion um, in their doors at a future date and time. I wanted to pull the CVBs back into this and in the kind of the closing minutes we have together. But this is another reason to include the convention and visitors bureaus um, with uh, the the process for finding a place to hold a military reunion. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to my CVB partners on our website. So on the MRN website under places to hold a military reunion, there's a, a lot of destinations and hotels there. They, these are the people, these are the organizations and the cities and the hotels that understand um, what military reunions need. They understand they're military reunion minded. And so starting with the convention. They understand and they are committed to supporting. And that yes. to me is a big issue. So when you're committed yeah. to supporting something, you're then going to help the process from the beginning through any glitches through the end. Right, right. Thank you, well said. My, my point with this is working with the Convention and Visitors Bureau first, and not, not every city is military reunion minded, but, um, and not every CVB has it in their business plan. Um, but working with the Convention and Visitor Bureau first, you then have another local advocate um, for helping you navigate the things that are happening um, at that specific uh, location. Um, if there's staffing changes with the hotel, if there's, you know, if the hotel is closed, you know, that the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau is another local resource to help you navigate through that. So. And so there you have it. So that's and, right. <laughs> I think um, I, I do know that um, dealing with contracts right now is beyond exhaust. Even dealing with RFPs, I'm working with a group to totally revise their RFP for a, a, a large meeting, much different than a military reunion. And still, I think that any reunion that has used the same RFP over and over needs to go back and reconsider what they include, why they include it, say more about why they include it, and to, and to ask better questions. Um, an RFP is the beginning of that process of, mm -hmm. of putting it together. And so the more you ask and that you then say, I want this covered in the contract, 
the better you're going to work. Yeah, yeah. Joan, thank you so much. Thanks, As Sharon. usual, time time flies. You and I said, let's just talk for a half hour. And here we are coming up on almost an hour. Um, this always happens when we, when we get together. I really appreciate uh, your insights and uh, you are such a champion for the hospitality industry and um, just making sure that that uh, people like me that are involved with a, a specific market segment are really kept up to speed. So I really appreciate your time and um, we look forward to having you back again and again and again. Thank you, it was nice to see you and it, it's always nice to help the, uh, the veterans who are planning these, it matters to me. Well, that, as they say, is a wrap. Thanks for joining us uh, on this edition of MRN Radio. I'm Sharon Danachek, your host. To our veteran community, thank you so much for your service. We hope you hear it often, and we hope you never tire of hearing it. We will see you next time.